Social media has very quickly become the go-to platform for shedding light and sharing news of injustices all around the world. Today's episode delves into using social media for social impact and if you're a social enterprise, charity or even a business who's trying to shed light on a mission, you're in luck. I sit down with Harriet Gray from Taboo Period Products. Harriet is the marketing manager at Taboo Period Products, which exists to eradicate period poverty through selling organic pads and tampons with all net profits going towards menstrual health care projects in Australia and all around the world. Not only will Harriet be generously sharing her top tips for using social media for social impact, but she's also going to openly discuss the challenges and the triumphs of using social media for a cause. Welcome to Healthy Socials, your go-to source for all things social media, marketing and business mindset. I'm your host, Alyssa Cairo, and I'm a social media manager and coach, helping business owners just like you convert followers into buyers with total ease and confidence. I'm bringing you all of my juicy knowledge and takeaways from my experience working with every possible business you could ever imagine, from health consultants to funky cafes. You can keep up with me on Instagram via Blue Communications. Before we jump into this episode, all you need to do is sit back, relax, and don't forget to subscribe because you don't want to miss a beat. Hi, Harriet. I'm so thankful that you are here today. How are you? Hi, Alyssa. I am very well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to jump straight into it. So can you explain a little bit about what Taboo Period Products is and a little bit about your role there? Um, Taboo Period Products is a brand of organic cotton pads and tampons, and we sell these to the Australian market. So we sell it through our online store. Um, And we're also stocked in national pharmacies on the run and Foodland, predominantly in South Australia. Um, So our main purpose and the reason that we exist is to eradicate period poverty. And we do this through our social enterprise model. So essentially we sell our pads and tampons and we donate our net profits to our charity partner, which works to eradicate period poverty in Uganda and Sierra Leone. Um, And then we also address local period poverty as well. So we do this through our Pad It Forward program, where essentially our customers can purchase a subscription for someone in Australia who is at risk or experiencing period poverty. And so we pull together all those donations and distribute them to local charities and communities to help provide those pads and tampons to people that need them. I'm the marketing manager at Two Period Products. And what my role really entails is firstly making sure that we can sell the product so that we can make these profits to donate to people that need it. Um, But also a big part of my role is addressing the menstrual stigma, which is a driver of period poverty as well. So it's really about um, creating fun marketing activities and messaging to help break the stigma of periods just to get people talking about them and get them normalized in our society. I'm very, very excited to hear a little bit more and thank you for summarising that so well and so clearly. So how did you get involved in Taboo? Yeah, it was actually a bit of a funny introduction for me coming into the Taboo team. Um, 
I was actually studying at the time. So I was doing my um, Bachelor of Commerce major in marketing. And I was in my last year of study, so my third year. Um, and I was in my first semester and I was actually overloaded. So I was doing five subjects at the time and an internship. And at this time, I saw that Tiburi had posted this internship through the university. And at this stage, I actually didn't really know a lot about Taboo. The only touch points I really had with them was that my little cousin had a Taboo sticker on the back of her phone. Um, so I kind of knew about the branding a little bit. Um, and so I did a bit of research and I just felt really drawn to the brand and the mission and the purpose. And so even though I was kind of overloaded at the time, um, I still applied for the Taboo internship. And even though I knew deep down that I couldn't really offer that many hours, I just figured I'd just apply and see what happens. Um, so I met uh, the co-founders, Izzy and Eloise, and they ended up giving the internship to another person, which was so fair because I literally didn't have any time. That Yeah, so he did a really fantastic job at the internship. But I still, yeah, I felt really passionate about Taboo still. So when I knew their current intern was finishing up, I contacted Izzy and Eloise and said that I was still keen. Um, and they were actually literally just hopping on a plane to go to Kenya and India when I was talking to them. So I followed up when they got back and yeah, flash forward three years and I'm still here now reflecting on that kind of journey. I'm really glad that I was so persistent and kind of weaseling my way into the team because yeah, now it's my full-time job. So. so you definitely have had a little bit of a journey in there and it's really good. You'll be able to give us a very good understanding about the marketing and what kind of goes on. So that kind yeah. of brings me to this question. I guess at the moment, some listeners might not really be sure about marketing for social enterprises or marketing for a cause. Can you kind of highlight what some of the differences might be, if there are any, between marketing for a social enterprise or marketing just for like, I guess, a traditional business? Yeah, this is a really good question. And it's something that we actually grapple with on a daily basis. And I guess I'll firstly just kind of explain what a social enterprise is, because um, it's a bit of a kind of complex uh, business model. Um, but it's essentially these businesses that trade to intentionally tackle social problems. So they take advantage of the demand for a product or service and then use the profits from that product or service to fund a related cause. For Taboo, we kind of married up this gap in the Australian market for high quality cotton period products and also this unfortunate reality of so many people experiencing period poverty. So we married these two ideas up to create Taboo period products. So yeah, that's kind of the social enterprise model. And with that being said, there are some differences between marketing for a more like regular traditional business compared to a more like social enterprise. Yeah, so I guess for a regular business, you're fundamentally focusing your messaging on the primary benefit of the product or service that you're delivering. Whereas for a social enterprise, you still have to include that in your messaging, but you also have to communicate this social benefit as well. So for example, a brand um, in the period space, their messaging is really just around how reliable or leak-free their products might be. So we still have to communicate that as well, but we have to make sure we're also communicating the social impact. And on the surface, this might seem like an easy thing to do, but there's certainly many challenges trying to balance those two things. And this leads us literally every day where asking the question, do we prioritize this social purpose as the primary selling point or do we prioritize the quality of the product as the primary selling point? And if you go down the route of prioritizing the quality of your product, then you're kind of losing your key point of difference and the true essence of your brand, which is that social purpose. But if you prioritize the social purpose at the forefront of your messaging, then you can risk 
kind of negatively influencing quality perceptions. And this is something that's actually quite well researched, um, the idea that products which have a social or a charitable cause associated with the product are often not believed to be good quality. It's just kind of grounded in this idea that if you're a social purpose brand or a charity and you're selling a product, then all your time and resources are assumed to be put into the social purpose rather than the actual product. And therefore the product must not be great. So that's, yeah, that's quite well researched. And so it's hard to um, balance product quality versus social impact. And the key thing for social enterprises or social purpose brands is um, having, yeah, just a good understanding of like your target audience and what segments will respond better to like product, uh, product quality messaging versus social impact messaging. Um, yeah, so there's, yeah, there's that real balance there. And to tie back to the main question, I suppose regular businesses just don't really have to grapple with that type of balance. They've just got one focus, which is to sell the product. Whereas social enterprise, you really want to sell the product so you can create the impact. But at the same time, you want to make sure people know it's a good quality product as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think another thing that kind of popped into my head as you were speaking is that I know sometimes there can be a little bit of distrust. I mean, in general marketing, a lot, especially millennials, don't really trust traditional marketing. But I think as well with kind of social enterprises, non-for-profits, charities, there can also be a bit of a distrust of where's the money going. Um, so I think that's also like interesting, like you say, you're kind of having to really, I guess, emphasize the social proof. Mm. being a non-profit essentially um how do you guys kind of go about i guess sharing your social proof for like how do you kind of show people what it is like where the impact where the money's going yeah that's a really good question and i suppose for us at taboo we've got two or maybe three types of impact so we've got our profit impact so actually donating our net profits to our charity partner um, we've got our product impact. So that's through the Pad It Forward program where we physically donate product to people who need it. And then we've got stigma impact as well. So breaking down the stigma of periods. With the stigma, it's really hard to measure it because it's a change of attitude. So yeah, it's really hard to measure that one. But that's pretty consistent with our marketing anyway. So we, we hope that it's making an impact. Um, and then with our profit donation and product donation. We create these like quarterly uh, newsletters that outline where that product has gone. So that's kind of how we communicate our impact. And then we have an annual impact report as well. Because you're right, people, yeah, certainly distrust where this money and this product is going. So that's a really key thing for us to make sure that our customers know that their purchases are actually making an impact because they are. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that's really important. Um, even, I mean, in general kind of marketing or businesses, you still have to share that social proof, but it's more things like testimonials or product reviews. It's not on that very deep level of like social impact. In 2016, when Taboo was founded by Izzy and Eloise, I was in year 11 at the time. So I was at school and there were a lot of girls walking around with the stickers. Um, I think it was the hats at the time. I can't remember. There were a few kind of merch things going on and I'd seen their page on Instagram was kind of growing and they were talking about it and they were kind of gaining traction. How important was social media in those very early stages of Taboo? Because essentially you guys needed funding after. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was so important. And I wasn't there until 2018, so I certainly can't take credit for um, what they did at that time. But they, yeah, they utilised social media because it was 
really the only thing that they could do. And it was so important, um, I guess, to note, firstly, we, yeah, we didn't have any pads and tampons to sell between 2016 and 2019. So we had all our merch, our like stickers and hats and t-shirts and all that. Um, but yeah, we didn't have any actual product to sell. So we really relied on social media to like create this audience and grow it further. Yeah, so it was really important, firstly, just to gain traction with the actual mission. So a lot of people didn't actually know what period poverty was. There's people still that don't know what it is. So for us, using social media was a really great way to spread that information and actually educate people about what period poverty was. And that gave them the means to understand the gravity of the issue and then understand Taboo's role in actually addressing it. Secondly, as well, yeah, with the funding. So we had to raise money to order our first batch of pads and tampons. Um, and basically, they needed $48,000 for the first order of pads and tampons. So they did this crowdfunding campaign. And they actually, yeah, so they utilized social media, Instagram a lot to try and raise all this money they had 60 days to raise it um, and they actually ended up raising $56,000 which was just insane they weren't using social media it just would have been near impossible to make that happen yeah I feel like I definitely remember those early kind of days when it was kind of like I'm followed on social media but I wasn't really sure what was going on and it must have been like for the girls, it must have been really hard back then as well, trying to raise money but not have an actual product. Like that must have been a really, really difficult task. And I think even as well, traditional businesses, like I've worked with a few startups, it's hard enough trying to market a product that doesn't even exist. So imagine mm -hmm. trying to market a product for social purposes, like you need the money to create the product. I guess the key thing for Izzy and Eloise at the time was just to be really clear about what the business mission was um, because obviously people weren't going to donate money if it was just going into this business which didn't make any sense to anyone so they had to be really clear about communicating what the social enterprise model was um, the purpose of the brand being addressing period poverty and how they would actually do that through the sales of pads and tampons so there's a lot of elements to communicate and yeah, social media for them, particularly Instagram, um, was just so helpful in making sure that all those messages came across. So at the moment, kind of fast forward to 2021, um, Taboo is very present across all forms of social media. You have the podcast. Um, there's a lot of touch points for you. What are kind of the key reasons as a marketing manager that you are so present on social media. So how's that kind of transformed over time? There's kind of like business-based reasons for why we're so present on social media and then more mission-based reasons. Business-based reasons, firstly, is just the fact that we're still a startup. We don't have a massive marketing budget um, and social media is a low, if not no cost platform that we can use. And we, yeah, we've kind of had no other choice but to use it. So We've really kind of made the most of it just because, yeah, we don't have a large marketing budget. And particularly because we are a social enterprise, we have to be quite particular about what expenses we incur. So having social media there as a marketing platform is just amazing for us because we can still reach the right people and communicate the right messages without having spent thousands and thousands of dollars on any marketing. So that's probably the main reason, particularly more so like at the start when we first started to do. Um, and the second reason is because we can have these really in-depth two-way conversations with our customers as well. 
um, and particularly within the period space, um, because it's so stigmatized, I think a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about periods with their friends or their family, and they actually do feel comfortable talking about it online. So we have really tried to make our social media a space where people can come and have conversations about periods and ask questions if they have any, um, and yeah, just feel more comfortable. So that's another reason, which is really actually encouraging. We love talking with everyone on our socials. We get a lot of um, DMs as well, just about people being like, oh, I, we had a girl the other day say, oh, I just got my first period. Like this, this, like the X, Y, Z happened. Like, is this normal? And it was so sweet. So we, yeah, we love creating a space as well, just for those two-way conversations. Yeah. And then also we have these mission-based reasons as well for being so present on social media. Firstly, the stigma, which I kind of just touched on before, but because taboo exists to address period poverty and the stigma is such a key driver of period poverty, we have this whole arm of marketing activities where we're just focusing on addressing stigma. So we utilize social media a lot to spark those conversations um, in an effort to reduce any shame or embarrassment attached to periods and we actually recently had a social media campaign called tag your taboo and essentially we encourage people to post an instagram photo while on their period and then tag their uterus with taboo period products and that was kind of a play on the idea of tagging like where your clothes are from or where your shoes are from but we did it with period products and this was really done to yeah just normalize periods in everyday life and try and remove some of the shame and embarrassment that is attached to periods so you have social media, um, there's the podcast. Is there anything else that you utilise? Yeah, so we've got our Instagram, our Facebook, which we use a lot. LinkedIn quite a bit as well, particularly to reach those business demographics, mostly because we have this kind of push to change the expectation of employers to provide pads and tampons for their staff. So we utilise uh, LinkedIn quite a bit for that. Um, we use a lot of EDMs. So one of our team members, Alba, is all over our EDMs and she's fantastic. So we've got that for all our general customers and then a separate segment for our um, Pat It Forward customers as well, just so we can keep them in the loop with all the donations. Um, and then we do a little bit of PR, I suppose, as well. We have a lot of interviews and um, we're guests on podcasts quite a bit. So that kind of natural exposure is quite beneficial as well. We can't wait until we have a massive marketing budget and can be on TV, outdoor. That would be very exciting. <laughs> what have been some of the opportunities that have come out of being present on social media? Have there been any projects or? Yeah, there's been a lot of opportunities. I guess particularly this year because our co-founder is the one young Australian of the year. I, this year has just been totally crazy, so hectic. And we've had so many people reach out to us on our socials just to get in contact and to form these relationships and partnerships. We've come in contact with a lot of really knowledgeable expert people and have had some really good conversations, which has just given us advice and what direction to take for some particular projects. A lot of partnerships have come from people reaching out on social media, a lot of speaking opportunities. Um, we've had a great opportunity just to share our impact as well. We had so many new followers from the Australian of the Year Awards. So 
it was just really fantastic to be able to share firstly the mission of Tiburi, but also the impact that we've made along the year as well, just as we've grown. And also we've had an opportunity to really educate people as well. So not only educating our followers about a range of different topics, but also we've had a lot of school-aged people contact us on our socials and ask us to present at their school or even um, present like at their workplaces. So yeah, we've had just so many new relationships and new partnerships and opportunities to spread our mission further and also sell our product more, which has been fantastic. That's amazing. And I think that really just shows like, I mean, I'm obviously maybe a bit biased, but it just shows the power of social media. Like you can literally have no marketing budget and essentially like spread your message, um, you know, really drive forward your social impact. But it just shows as well it is possible for businesses too to basic as long as it's strategic like have a strategy but you don't need a you know hundred thousand dollar marketing budget to be like to be able to be successful and get your message out on social media it's just about you know knowing your strategy knowing the reasons why you're there and how to kind of tackle and reach your particular audience that you've set out to reach because i'm a bit of a realist i want to ask have there been challenges for taboo on social media? There have been a couple. I suppose this year, again, it's a bit of an outlier, but because we had so much attention from the Australian of the Year Awards, we actually, for pretty much the first time ever, had to deal with some people who were perhaps a bit more conservative and didn't believe that periods were worth a conversation. It was a bit of a shock to receive those comments when every day you work in such a period positive environment and suddenly you're dealing with people who don't feel the same way. But yeah, so we yeah received a few comments like that and I guess it was actually a great opportunity to educate those particular people about why they should feel a bit more positively about their period, why it is an opportunity to feel empowered. And yeah, we couldn't help but feel a little bit sad for them because they were clearly had grown up in a time when periods were more stigmatised than they are now. So that was definitely a learning curve dealing with those types of comments. Another one is not so much a challenge, but more another learning curve was changing the language that we use on our socials. So yeah, so not everyone who bleeds will identify as a female and also not all females bleed. So this is something particularly back in the early days before we were selling products, we didn't put much thought into. Um, but certainly over the past couple of years, we've really put an emphasis just on ensuring that our language and representation is included um, because it is really important. There's so many people that identify as not a female who might still get their period. So we really wanted to make sure um, that we were including everyone. And yeah, that was definitely a learning curve. I never would have even thought of that. I feel like that is like is a really big thing now as well, is making sure considering like what you're, you know, what taboo stands for, is that you have to focus on, I guess, overall inclusivity. And I also think just touching on your first point with kind of, I guess, the negative feedback from people, that's something as well with social media, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, you know, mm. you the positive because you're getting your word out there, you know, you're growing, you're aware, well, people are seeing you, you're growing awareness in your business, but then also there are always going to be people who don't agree with you. And there's also going to be the people who voice that they don't agree with you. And it's kind mm. of learning how to manage that, not in the way that, you know, you make them out to be a bad person or you're like 
kind of going on a keyboard war with them. But it's just, like you said, I think emphasis, especially for charities, non-for-profits and social, um, social enterprises is actually just being able to educate them on why they might choose to see it differently and kind of a little bit about the work that you do. Because you'll never be able to change someone's opinion, but if you don't respond back hostile or aggressive, it's just a lot better for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting. We certainly haven't had that many comments like that, but we've had a few. And we've also, yeah, had a few when we've posted um, more inclusive type content about people who bleed that might not identify as female. And we've had a few older people respond and so we just take it as an opportunity to really just try and walk them through it and educate them on it um and if they realize our point of view then that's fantastic and if they don't then we just hope that one day they will <laughs> yeah no i love that i think that's really important can you provide tips for social enterprises non-for-profits or charities how you can actually like have an impact with what you're saying yeah i guess my first tip which is really kind of just essential is that you actually have to be genuinely connected to the cause and for social enterprises not for profits and charities this should be relatively easy because it should be really in the like the dna of your business model um, but i suppose to make sure that your marketing and your social media marketing is effective and impactful you really have to look back at the actual business and make sure that the primary aim of everything you're doing is to fill that social purpose and that all brand decisions are really made with that social purpose as the um, at the forefront of all decisions. I'm going to press on that because I think that's really important. I find I've worked with a few non for profits, and I find you know they're so deeply connected to their purpose. But sometimes it's like when you go on social media, you're just posting or you're just kind of putting content out there. So it might sound like something really silly. It's like yeah, of course I know why I'm doing this. But then when you actually go to create your marketing material, it doesn't actually translate. So I think, yeah, I really want to press on that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's really important just to just touch base with yourself every now and then if you're like a marketing manager or coordinator, whatever it is, and just make sure that you are really clearly communicating the actual purpose of the business. And yeah, I suppose if it's not so much a social business, but more just like a regular traditional business, um, they're just attaching themselves to a social cause, then there is that risk of it being perceived as potentially ingenuine, unless that true commitment is really shown. So I think it's really important just to make sure that you are committed to the cause um, or the social purpose at all levels, both at the business level and at the marketing level. And that yeah, as you said, it's really translating through and you're communicating that really clearly. Secondly, I think that it is really important also to actually make meaningful change through your social media. I think there's a lot of instances where this kind of ties back to what you just said before, but you can just get in the habit of just posting, pushing out content without it actually achieving anything, particularly that social purpose and social impact. And I suppose an example of this was in the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement. There were a lot of brands that were using social media to advocate for change, but it wasn't um, paired with any kind of tangible action, such as internal policy changes or donations or anything like that. So I think utilizing social media for advocacy purposes is amazing, but it really has to be paired with the real um, action and change. Otherwise, 
consumers could potentially become skeptical about the motives of the brand. And my third and final tip would be um, to be authentic and stay true to the brand as well, which is kind of a pretty basic one, but I think it's really important. And I think it's again important to utilize specific social media marketing strategies that actually make sense with the brand and align with the brand and the social purpose. I think there's a lot of risk of looking opportunistic. So it is really important just to make sure the brand is represented in its truest form and potentially not conforming to different social media marketing trends unless it really makes sense for the brand to participate in those. Totally, I agree with that. And I think even on saying that, my favorite topic is reels because obviously I love reels. But like I just see, I, like I follow a few non-for-profits because I've worked with a few and like you know if it is something that I like truly resonate with then I'll follow them but I just see some content go out and I'm like all right yeah you jumped on the reels trend and you're using that really trendy audio but what's it actually doing like you know what is the purpose and I have this saying that I I say to my clients all the time like post with purpose there's got to be something underlying you know either you know you're you got to hit one of your objectives when you're posting Mm. otherwise you're just putting something out there and that's not actually going to be doing anything for you know your target audience it's not going to be educating them it's not going to be motivating them to make change it's not going to be calling them to action to you know donate or you know purchase your product it's just quite literally there and that's sometimes even more harmful than not posting because it's just Mm. it's just there it's just something yeah yeah exactly we were thinking about using influencers and obviously that's kind of another trendy social media marketing thing i guess but we put so much thought into it and we decided we were going to use them but we put so much thought into making sure we were using the right ones that aligned with our brand values and represented what we do as a brand we spent yeah a lot of time just making sure that we weren't just going to pick the influencers with the most followers but we actually put in time to make sure they were the right ones for our brand and the right fit. Can you imagine sending your product or something to an influencer and they're talking about it and then the next day they're basically contradicting it. Like it just, it doesn't sit well for anyone really. It doesn't sit well for the influencer's audience and it doesn't sit well with you because like at the end of the day, they're representing your brand. When you give someone a product or something to display on their social media, whatever they say actually reflects on you because they're holding your product or they were pictured with your product. So you have to be very careful when you are trying, like, you know, things like trends because if you don't know how it can reflect back onto your, like onto your business essentially. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of control that you give up when you work with influencers, particularly if it's quite casual and you don't have a contract drawn up or anything like that, then you do, yeah, lose a lot of control in that relationship. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for all of the information that you have shared. I know the listeners are going to find it very valuable. It was really, really interesting to learn a little bit more about social enterprise marketing. Um, So thank you so much for providing such good answers and getting the conversation going as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had lots of fun and I'm thank you for letting me share the taboo mission as well. I really want to thank you for taking some time out of your extremely busy schedule to listen to this episode. As a busy business owner myself, I totally understand what it can be like to wear all the different hats. So if there's ever anything that I can do to support you on social media, please don't be shy to reach out and send me a DM on Instagram via Blue Communications. Bye for now.